Hello and welcome to Beyond What You See, a podcast where I talk about my favorite books uh, and all the ways that they resonate with me as a Muslim, a writer, and a human being. My name is Sumeya, and I'm back! I'm back so soon! <laughs> I'm so proud of myself! <laughs> I hope you're proud of me as well for uploading another episode so soon after the last one. Um, today's pretty much the last day that I'm going to have guaranteed silence at my home, and so I decided to take advantage of it and get off my lazy butt and record this episode. I hope you are all doing well. We are continuing with Lord of the Rings. We are in chapter 10 of the Fellowship of the Ring and it is called Strider. And I'm so excited. I love this chapter because we finally, finally have quality time with Strider, otherwise known as Aragorn. Um, And if you're a new Lord of the Rings fan, you might not know who this is, but stay tuned. He's important. We're gonna have so much fun with him. Okay, so in our last uh, chapter, The hobbits arrived at the Prancing Pony. Frodo had a little uh, misadventure there. And we are about to, let's see, we're about to find out a lot of information because Butterbur and Strider want to talk to Frodo in private. Uh, Okay, so the chapter summary reads as follows from Tolkien Gateway. Strider followed Frodo Underhill to his room in the Prancing Pony which made Frodo very uneasy. Strider told Frodo that he knew of his real identity and warned him of the Black Riders. He also warned the hobbits of a few people of Bree who were up to no good, most likely spying. He offered to guide them. Despite his offers of assistance, however, Strider was unable to completely gain Frodo's trust. At that moment, Mr. Butterbur came in. He told Frodo that Gandalf had left a letter for Frodo in his keeping. After giving Frodo the letter and saying that he would be on the lookout for Black Riders, Mr. Butterbur left. Frodo read the letter that warned him against traveling that night at night and using the ring. Gandalf had also written about Strider, saying that he was a worthy friend. The letter also told Frodo to make for Rivendell with haste. Strider told the hobbits that his real name was Aragorn and that he would protect them. They all wondered what had happened to Gandalf to make him send someone else to give the message. Suddenly, Merry, who had been outside for a walk, came in and told them that he had seen a black rider. When he had followed it, it had disappeared. Merry had then been overtaken by the rider's breath and fainted. But before any harm could come to him, the landlord's helper Nob had come to his aid. Strider warned the hobbits that they were in danger. He said that a Bree man named Bill Fernie had to have told the Black Riders that the hobbits had stayed there. Strider told the hobbits not to sleep in their own rooms. They carried their belongings to another room and finally went to sleep. Alright, let's dive right in. So, chapter opens with... Frodo, Pippin, and Sam made their way back to the parlor. There was no light. Mary was not there, and the fire had burned low. It was not until they had puffed up the embers into a blaze and thrown on a couple of faggots that they discovered Friday, uh, Strider, I can't speak, discovered Strider had come with them. There he was calmly sitting in a chair by the door. Hello, said Pippin. Who are you, and what do you want? I am called Strider, he answered, and though he may have forgotten it, your friend promised to have a quiet talk with me. Okay, I just want to point out something, and it happens quite a lot in this chapter. Strider answers that I am called Strider. He says this multiple times. It almost kind of like, he puts his name on other people. He says that this is what people call me. He never kind of claims it as something he calls himself, which is important for reasons. But um, he, he remains mysterious. Like he's called Strider, but it's not really who he is. It's not his identity. It's just a name given to him. Um, It's also kind of like a title because it references the way he walks around like he strides. (laughs) He's a strider Um, Yeah, I just find that interesting 
and I, this is honestly i only noticed it in this reread and i read this book so many times but yeah so anyways um to continue you said i might hear something to my advantage i believe said frodo what have you to say several things answered strider but of course i have my price what do you mean asked frodo sharply don't be alarmed i mean just this i will tell you what i know and give you some good advice but i shall want a reward interesting so advice also comes up a lot in this chapter and we will go into it further but um advice always like giving advice is always a a weighty thing um because you kind of take on the responsibility for the outcome of that advice um, and we talked about it in previous chapters about why the elves are wary about giving advice and the way it backfired for them in their own history. If you if you read the Silmarillion, which you don't have to do, it's it's very hefty. But um, yeah, so this is kind of like it's a big thing that that Strider is giving them advice and also saying that it's good advice um, because they don't know who he is and because he's very suspicious currently. Um, whether his advice is good or not is something they're going to have to judge. Um, and it's also a little bit alarming that he's like, I will do this for you, but I want a reward for it. <laughs> it does make him seem like a rascal. Um, and Frodo says, what will that be, pray? And oh, that's so funny. He says he suspected now that he had fallen in with a rascal and he thought uncomfortably that he had brought only a little money with him. All of it would hardly satisfy a rogue and he could not spare any of it. No more than you can afford, answered Strider with a slow smile, as if he guessed Frodo's thoughts. Also, another thing to point out is that Strider um, constantly responds to the unspoken when he's around other people. Um, it's mentioned several times that he seems to know what people are thinking or feeling towards him. And he's very intuitive. And this would also be part of the reason why people assume rangers have like these special powers. Um, I think they're just very intuitive. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Anyways. No more than you can afford, answered Strider with a slow smile, as if he guessed Frodo's thoughts. Just this. You must take me along with you, until I wish to leave you. Oh, indeed, replied Frodo, surprised, but not much relieved. Even if I wanted another companion, I should not agree to any such thing, until I knew a good deal more about you and your business. Excellent, exclaimed Strider, which is also a thought I had. <laughs> You seem to be coming to your senses again, and that is all to the good. Which is so funny, like, you would think he would be offended, but he's not. He's like, oh good, you're using your brain, I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> you have been much too careless so far. Very well, I will tell you what I know, and leave the reward to you. You may be glad to grant it when you have heard me. So now it feels like he asked for a reward to kind of test them, to be like, are you going to be smart about this? Hmm. Anyways, go on then, said Frodo. What do you know? Too much, too many dark things, said Strider grimly, but as for your business, he got up and went to the door, opened it quickly and looked out, then he shut it quietly and sat down again. I have quick ears, he went on, lowering his voice, and though I cannot disappear, I have hunted many wild and wary things, and I can usually avoid being seen if I wish. Now, I was behind the hedge, mm-hmm, see, okay, I, I mentioned this in the past two episodes too, that you have to pay attention to two occurrences, and now it comes up, okay, so he says, I was behind the hedge this evening on the road west of Bree, when four hobbits came out of the downlands. I need not repeat all they said to old Bombadil or to one another, but one thing interested me. Please remember, said one of them, that the name Baggins must not be mentioned. I am Mr. Underhill, if any name must be given. 
That interested me so much that I followed them here. I slipped over the gate just behind them. Maybe Mr. Baggins has an honest reason for leaving his name behind, but if so, I should advise him and his friends to be more careful. Oh my god, he's so, like, he's so menacing. <laughs> he's so menacing! This is not a good way to make friends. But at the same time, it's, it's not bad advice. I don't see what interest my name has for anyone in Brie, said Frodo angrily. And I still have, uh, I have still to learn why it interests you. Mr. Strider may have an honest reason for spying and eavesdropping, but if so, I should advise him to explain it. Haha, <laughs> Frodo. Well answered, said Strider, laughing. But the explanation is simple. I was looking for a hobbit called Frodo Baggins. I wanted to find him quickly. I had learned that he was carrying out of the Shire, well, a secret that concerned me and my friends. Now don't mistake me, he cried, as Frodo rose from his seat and Sam jumped up with a scowl. I shall take more care of the secret than you do. And care is needed. He leaned forward and looked at them. Watch every shadow, he said in a low voice. Black horsemen have passed through Bree. On Monday one came down the Greenway, they say, and another appeared later, coming up the Greenway from the south. There was a silence. At last Frodo spoke to Pippin and Sam. I ought to have guessed it from the way the gate he greeted us, he said, and the landlord seems to have heard something. Why did he press us to join the company? And why on earth do we behave so foolishly? We ought to have stayed quiet in here. Oh, Frodo. It would have been better, said Strider. I would have stopped your going into the common room if I could, but the innkeeper would not let me in to see you, or take a message. And so now, through a series of well-intentioned, <laughs> if not very well-done events, um, the innkeeper, which is Barlaman, seems suspicious. Strider definitely seems suspicious. Frodo is, like, worried about everything. Um, and it's just because everybody is judging based on appearances, because... Everything's unknown, and so they can't really judge otherwise, and they're doing the best they can um, with good intentions. I really feel bad for everybody involved. <laughs> Do you think he... began Frodo. No, I don't think any harm of old Butterbur. And this is the first thing that, if you don't know who Strider is, and if you're reading this um, like as a brand new person, this is the first thing that makes you think that, okay, maybe Strider isn't a bad guy, because he doesn't think of any harm of old Butterbur, and Butterbur himself does not seem harmful at all or suspicious. Um, so he says, only he does not altogether like mysterious vagabonds of my sort. Frodo gave him a puzzled look. Well, I have a rather rascally look, have I not? Says Strider, with a curl of his lip and a queer gleam in his eye. Which is so funny, because Frodo just said, like, a few uh, lines ago, um, he suspected he had fallen in with a rascal. Uh, Aragorn continues, but I hope we shall get to know one another better. When we do, I hope you will explain what happened at the end of your song. For that little prank. It was sheer accident, interrupted Frodo. I wonder, said Strider. Accidents, then. That accident has made your position dangerous. So, uh, as a Muslim, I believe in destiny. It's one of our like core beliefs. We have to believe in a bunch of things. And one of those things is destiny, good or evil. And basically fate. And because destiny is a real thing um for us we don't really believe in accidents um because nothing is outside of god's control so we believe that everything that happens is meant to happen um and so i just i find this interesting because even here like we know that either the ring was doing something mischievous or that it was kind of 
working on Frodo or somebody was working on Frodo to kind of be a little bit more careless and play around with a ring in a room full of people. Um, and Frodo says it was accident, even though he suspected at the time that it wasn't. And Strider himself says, like, it wasn't an accident, but even if it was, it made your position dangerous. So, yeah, it's just interesting how, like, that resonates with me. And we see this often throughout this entire series, that there's a lot of things that seem accidental in nature and kind of point to other powers affecting um, different outcomes and different people. And it's really fascinating. I think at some point Gandalf will say um, there are other powers that work in this world and not all of them for the worse. Basically saying that like it's not just evil trying to affect things, but there are good powers out there. And it's not delved into too much, but if you know kind of like the history of Middle-earth and the deities that exist, um, they're not at the forefront of Lord of the Rings, but they seem to kind of underlie a lot of things. Uh, we'll get into that later. So, Strider says, the accent has made your position, position dangerous. Hardly more than it was already, said Frodo. I knew these horsemen were pursuing me, but now at any rate they seem to have missed me and to have gone away. You must not count on that, said Strider sharply. They will return, and more are coming. There are others. I know their number. I know these riders. He paused, <clears throat> and his eyes were cold and hard. And there are some folk in Bree who are not to be trusted, he went on. Bill Fernie, for instance. He has an evil name in the Breeland, and queer folk call at his house. You must have noticed him among the company, a swarthy, sneering fellow. He was very close with one of the southern strangers, and they slipped out together just after your accident. Not all of these southerners mean well, and as for Fernie, he would sell anything to anybody, or make mischief for amusement. Which, I talked a little bit in the last episode about um, Westwesa, which is like the whisperings of the devil, which is always trying to cause mischief for it, his amusement. <laughs> Um, and Fernie really sounds devilish. So, let's see. What will Fernie sell? And what has my accident got to do with him? Said Frodo, still determined not to understand Strider's hints. <laughs> oh, Frodo, he's really just like, I'm going to fake my way through this entire conversation. <laughs> who can blame him? He's so stressed out. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know who to trust. He's in danger. He's afraid. God. This, this character is just fascinating. Like, Tolkien is amazing. Anyways. News of you, of course, answered Strider. An account of your performance would be very interesting to certain people. After that, they would hardly need to be told your real name. It seems to me only too likely that they will hear of it before this night is over. Is that enough? You can do as you like about my reward. Take me as a guide or not. But I may say that I know all the lands between the Shire and the Misty Mountains, for I have wandered over them for many years. I am older than I look. I might prove useful. You will have to leave the open road after tonight, for the horsemen will watch it night and day. You may escape from Bree and be allowed to go forward until uh, while the sun is up, but you won't go far. They will come on you in the wild, in some dark place where there is no help. Do you wish them to find you? They are terrible. The hobbits looked at him and saw with surprise that his face was drawn as if with pain, and his hands clenched the arms of his chair. The room was very quiet and still, and the light seemed to have grown dim. For a while he sat with unseeing eyes as if walking in distant memory or listening to sounds in the night far away. Wow. Honestly, he seems kind of, like, traumatized. Like, he's caught in a flashback of something terrible. Hmm. It really makes you kind of 
feel for him even though we still don't know who he is and we're not sure if we're able to trust him which from a writing standpoint like that is so well done anyways um he kind of comes back to himself after a little while and he says one of my favorite lines is also in the movies you fear them but you do not fear them enough tomorrow you will have to escape if you can and this is another thing he kind of refers to himself in third person again strider can take you by paths that are seldom trodden will you have him almost as if he's like a character like the strider persona is a character and he's like i will put that character at your disposal if you want him but he's not claiming it as himself entirely and like there's reason for that like I i'm pointing this out because i know who strider is but i just want to point it out to you <laughs> um there's a silence after this frodo's thinking he's confused with doubt and fear sam frowns and basically gives his opinion which is that i don't trust this man he comes out of the wild and i have never heard of good of such folk oh sam he's so cute um he knows something that's plain and more than i like but there's no reason why we should let him go leading us out into some dark place far from help so he puts it pippin doesn't say anything he looks uncomfortable strider doesn't reply to sam but he focuses on frodo and frodo very cleverly like this is why frodo is so brilliant and also probably a favorite of um gandalf and soon to be a favorite of strider no he said slowly i don't agree i think i think you are not really as you choose to look you began to talk to me like the brie folk but your voice has changed okay that's so fascinating so if you read back and kind of compare butterbur and hob and knob and how they talk and then how strider starts out talking to how he speaks now he starts out talking very like hmm country kind of um and his his speech kind of becomes more refined and elegant as he continues talking and i really did not even notice until frodo pointed it out and it's it's so interesting um and i also like that frodo is like also very perceptive like he's like he he does see that Fro um that strider is putting on a persona and I, i'm gonna call it the strider persona and then that isn't really him. Um, and this kind of gets revealed. So, uh, da, 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 he says, Still, Sam seems right in this. I don't see why you should warn us to take care, and yet ask us to take you on trust. Why the disguise? Who are you? What do you really know it about? About my business. And how do you know it? And Strider doesn't seem upset at this at all. But um, he says, The lesson in caution has been well learned. But caution is one thing, and wavering is another. You will never get to Rivendell now on your own, and to trust me is your only chance. You must make up your mind. I will answer some of your questions, if that will help you to do so. But why should you believe my story if you do not trust me already? It's a good point, honestly. Because um, you can ask somebody you don't trust more questions, but if you don't trust them, what's the point of their answers? Um, that's another point about how like there's caution and then there's dawdling or wavering sometimes even if you're not sure you just have to make a decision and kind of follow through with the consequences which is frightening but necessary and uh, just a fact of life <laughs> which is um another point to like how advice is can be kind of dangerous where you just have to you have to be careful about who you take advice from 
And you also have to take kind of responsibility of your own that if you follow someone's advice, that was your choice and you got to accept the consequences and try not to go blaming other people for the advice they gave you. So uh, Aragorn's about to say more, but then there's a uh, knock on the door, they get interrupted, but arrives and Strider goes into a dark corner. Um, The landlord says he came to give them good night. And then he says, it's like this, he began, hesitating and looking troubled. If I've done any harm, I am sorry indeed. But one thing drives out another, as you'll admit, and I'm a busy man. But first one thing and then another this week have jogged my memory, as the saying goes, and not too late, I hope. You see, I was asked to look out for hobbits of the Shire, and for one by the name of Baggins in particular. Ooh, everything's coming to a head. And what has that got to do with me? asked Frodo. Ah, you know best, said the landlord knowingly. He's kind of bumbling, but he's also kind of wise. I won't give you away, but I was told that this Baggins would be going by the name of Underhill, and I was given a description that fits you well enough, if I may say so. Frodo kind of interrupts him unwisely, because Butterbur kind of has his way of telling his stories, and he can't be <laughs> he can't be helped along. Da, da, da. So he's, he basically tells him the description that he was told of um, Frodo, and that uh, he told them and he said it and who was he asked frodo eagerly ah that was gandalf if you know who i mean a wizard they say he is but he's a good friend of mine whether or no but now i don't know that what he'll have to say to me if i see him again turn all my ale sour or me into a block of wood i shouldn't wonder he's a bit hasty which is hilarious <laughs> still what's done can't be undone well what have you done asked frodo getting impatient with a slow unraveling of butterbur's thoughts where was I, said the landlord, pausing and snapping his fingers. Ah, yes, old Gandalf. Three months back, he walked right into my room without a knock. Barley, he says, I'm off in the morning. Will you do something for me? You've only to name it, I said. I'm in a hurry, said he, and I've no time myself, but I want a message t- took to the Shire. Have you anyone you can send and trust to go? I can find someone, I said. Tomorrow, maybe, or the day after. Make it tomorrow, he says, and then he gave me a letter. It's addressed plain enough, said Mr. Butterer producing a letter from his pocket and reading out the address slowly and proudly. He valued his reputation as a lettered man. Mr. Frodo Baggins, Bag End, Hobbiton, in the Shire. A letter from me from Gandalf, cried Frodo. Ah, said Mr. Butterbur, then your right name is Baggins. It is, said Frodo, and you had better give me that letter at once and explain why you never sent it. That was what you came to tell me, I suppose, though you've taken a long time to come to the point. Oh god, I totally feel that when people like take a hundred years to tell me what they want to tell me, <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> I get so impatient, but it's rude to interrupt, and you really should just let people speak at the pace that they want to speak at. It's just something I need to learn to do. <laughs> um, poor Mr. Butterbur looked troubled, and he's like, You're right, and I'm sorry, I'm terrified of what Gandalf is going to say to me when he finds out. Um, but basically he couldn't find anyone to take the letter for a couple of days and then like it just slipped out of his mind. He's busy um, and he hopes he can, you know, set the matters to right now that it's come to the point. Um, and he's like, besides the fact that he had a letter to deliver, he promised Gandalf to help him. Um, and basically Gandalf said, Barley, this friend of mine from the Shire, he may be coming out this way before long, him and another. He'll be calling himself Underhill. Mind's that, but you need ask no questions. And if I'm not with him, he may be in trouble, and he may need help. Do whatever you can for him, and I'll be grateful, he says. And here you are, and trouble is not far off, seemingly. 
What do you mean? asked Frodo. These black men, said the landlord, lowering his voice. They're looking for baggins, and if they mean well, then I'm a hobbit. It was on Monday, and all the dogs were yammering and the geese screaming. Uncanny. Now, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but animals have this sense. They really just seem to know when something bad is going to happen. Like, you've heard of, like, well, I, I think you've heard, well, I don't know, whoever you are, <laughs> but there's been stories about animals that um, can sense when a tsunami is coming or a storm is coming and they kind of run away from it. And I definitely, like, I've had experience where um, I was hanging out with some family um, and they have a dog and they invited a friend over and this dog was very friendly, super friendly, sweetest dog ever. Um, very nice to everybody. And then this friend came by and this dog went ballistic. I have no idea why. They just really did not like this person who came over. And me and my mom, who tend to be kind of intuitive people, we also got like bad vibes from this guy. So it was just so interesting. This dog did not like this guy at all. And he, he didn't do anything. He was just there. But it's fascinating. Yeah. Anyways, back to the reread. Um, Nob, he came and told me that two black men were at the door asking for a hobbit called Beggins. Nob's hair was all stood on end. I bid the black fellows be off and slam the door on them, but they've been asking the same question all the way to Archit, I hear. And that ranger, Strider, he's asking questions too. Tried to get in here to see you before you had a bite or sup, he did. He did, said Strider suddenly, coming forward into the light, and much trouble would have been saved if you had let him in, Barlaman. The landlord jumped with surprise. You, he cried. You're always popping up. What do you want now? He's here with my leave, said Frodo. He came to offer me his help. Well, you know your own business, maybe, said Mr. Butterbur, looking suspiciously at Strider. But if I was in your plight, I wouldn't take up with a ranger. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> then who would you take up with? asked Strider. A fat innkeeper who only remembers his own name because people shouted at him all day. They cannot stay in the pony forever, and they cannot go home. They have long road before them. Will you go with them and keep the black men off? Me! Leave Bree! I wouldn't do that for any money, said Mr. Butterbur, looking really scared. But why can't you stay here quiet for a bit, Mr. Underhill? What are all these queer goings on? What are these black men after, and where do they come from? I'd like to know. I'm sorry I can't explain it all, answered Frodo. I am tired and very worried, and it's a long tale. But if you mean to help me, I ought to warn you that you will be in danger as long as I am in your house. These black riders, I'm not sure, but I think... I fear they come from... They come from Mordor, said Str Strider in a low voice. From Mordor, Barlamin, if that means anything to you. Save us, cried Mr. Butterbur, turning pale. The name evidently was known to him. That is the worst news that has come to Bree in my time. It is, said Frodo. Are you still willing to help me? I am, said Mr. Butterbur. And that, right there, shows his quality. As much as he is like a chatterbox and really forgetful... He's a good man at heart, and this is why Gandalf trusted him with something so important as a letter. Um, so, more than ever, Butterbur continues, though I don't know what the likes of me can do against... Against... He faltered. Against the shadow in the east, said Strider quietly. Not much, Barlamin, but every little helps. Which is a really good lesson, actually. Every little bit really does help against a big evil. You can let Mr. Underhill stay here tonight, as Mr. Underhill, and you can forget the name of Baggins till he is far away. Butterbur says he can, um, and basically says that it's a pity that Frodo <laughs> drew attention to himself. Um, but, you know, there's nothing that can be done. But basically, um, 
let's see. Uh, people have put together the idea that he's probably related to Bilbo Baggins, who also managed to disappear. Um, and Frodo says, well, we can only hope the writers won't come back yet. Butterbur says he hopes not, but even if they do try to come back, they won't come into the pony too easily, and that they shouldn't worry, um, and that even his, like, helpers won't say anything, um, and that he'll do his best to guard his guests and make sure that they can get some sleep. Frodo says, basically, thank you, um, wake us at dawn, because we're going to leave as early as possible, and Barlman says, sure, good night, um, and then also, where's your Mr. Brandybuck? I don't know, said Frodo, with sudden anxiety. They had forgotten all about Mary, and it was getting late. I'm afraid he's out. He said something about going for a breath of air. Well, you do want lucky after, and no mistake, your party might be on holiday. <laughs> oh, Butterbur, he's so funny. I mean, he's not wrong. They are being very, like careless um i guess like not being on the road made them feel a lot safer than they really are but you know people can be as dangerous as the wilds and they're learning that today let's see i must go and bar the doors quick but i'll see your friend is let in when he comes i'd better send knob to look for him good night to you all at last mr butterbur went out with another doubtful look at strider and a shake of his head his footsteps retreated down the passage well says strider when are you going to open that letter? Frodo looked carefully at the seal before he broke it. It seemed certainly to be Gandalf's. Inside, written in the wizard's strong but graceful script, was the following message. I really love how this letter is framed. <laughs> the, you'll see, but the postscript's kind of cracked me up. The Prancing Pony, Bree, Mid-Year's Day, Shire Year, 1418. Dear Frodo, bad news has reached me here. I must go off at once. You had better leave Bag End soon and get out of the Shire before the end of July at latest. Which, okay, end of July at latest. He's told him to leave, like, three months ago if he had gotten this letter, and he didn't. And so he's basically three months later than he really should be. I will return as soon as I can, and I will follow you if, you, if I find that you are gone. Leave a message for me here if you pass through Bree. You can trust the landlord, Butterbur. You may meet a friend of mine on the road. A man, lean, dark, tall, by some called Strider. Again, by some called Strider, not something he calls himself, and not even something that Gandalf calls him. Fascinating. He knows our business and will help you. Make for Rivendell. There I hope we may meet again. If I do not come, Elrond will advise you. Yours in haste, Gandalf. P.S. Do not use it again. Not for any reason whatsoever. Do not travel by night. P.P.S. Make sure it is the real Strider. There are many strange men on the roads. His true name is Aragorn. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. P.P.P.S. I hope Butterbur sends this promptly. A worthy man, but his memory is like a lumber room. Things wanted always buried. If he forgets, I shall roast him. Farewell. <laughs> oh man, Gandalf really is like... <laughs> He really screwed up here, but not on purpose. I think everyone's doing their best with the abilities they have, and things just kind of coincided to work out this way. I'm also really curious as, like, if anything would have changed if Frodo had left at the end of July instead of, like, September. I think he left in September. Um, and maybe nothing would have changed. And maybe things would have been worse because i mean the way like the time that he left now meant he ran into gildor meant he like yeah so hmm i don't know 
yeah, I don't know. This is interesting. So Frodo reads the letter, then he gives it to Pippin and Sam, and he's like, "Oh, Butterbur really screwed up. Um, I wonder what happened to Gandalf. He sounds like he was going into great danger. He has been doing that for many years, said Strider. Frodo turns and looks at him thoughtfully, wondering about Gandalf's second postscript. Why didn't you tell me that you were Gandalf's friend at once? Friend at once, he asks. It would have saved time. And here uh, uh, Strider points out like several things, but <laughs> this is very, very good. Would it? Would any of you believe me until now? Said Strider. I knew nothing of this letter. For all I knew, I had to persuade you to trust me without proofs, if I was to help you. In any case, I did not intend to tell you all about myself at once. I had to study you first, and make sure of you. The enemy has set traps for me before now. As soon as I had made up my mind, I was ready to tell you whatever you asked. But I must admit, he added with a queer laugh, that I hoped you would take me for my own sake. A hunted man sometimes wearies of distrust and longs for friendship. But there, I believe my looks are against me. <laughs> this is so cute. Basically, Strider's like, I look ugly and scary and no one wants to be my friend and I feel so lonely. <laughs> oh. But it's also, um, it also says something about judging a book by its cover. <laughs> so it's this weird balance of like intuition, prejudice, um... Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. It's also interesting to note that we finally get a glimpse of as to how important Strider is and who he is by saying that the enemy has set traps for him before, that he had to kind of suss out the hobbits um, before he revealed more of himself, um, that he's not a trusting person. Um, as close as he is with Gandalf and Barlamin, that he doesn't just take what everyone says and follow through with it, that he makes his own judgment. Um, but that basically, once you know, once he decides to trust you, he decides to trust you, and you've, you've earned his faith. Hmm. Interesting. So, Pippin, <laughs> very insultingly, was like, yeah, your looks are against you. But handsome is as handsome does, as we say in the Shire, and I dare say we should all look much the same after lying for days in hedges and ditches. He's so insulting. <laughs> It would take more than a few days, or weeks, or years of wandering in the wild to make you look like Strider, he answered. Again, third person! This is so cool! Okay. And you would die first unless you were made of sterner stuff than you look to be. Which is, like, <laughs> incredibly daunting. Sam was not a uh, cowed, though, and he still eyed Strider dubiously. How do we know you are the Strider that Gandalf speaks about? He demanded. You never mentioned Gandalf till this letter came out. You might be a play-acting spy, for all I can see, trying to get us to go with you. You might have done in the real Strider and took his clothes. What have you done? What have you to say to that? That you are a stout fellow, answered Strider, but I am afraid my only answer to you, Sam Gamgee, is this. Okay, this is such a boss moment, but listen. If I had killed the real Strider, I could kill you, and I should have killed you already without so much talk. If I was after the ring, I could have it now. He stood up and seemed suddenly to grow taller. In his eyes gleamed a light, keen and commanding. Throwing back his cloak, he laid his hand on the hilt of a sword that had hung concealed by his side. They did not dare to move. Sam sat, wide-mouthed, staring at him dumbly. But I am the real Strider, fortunately, he said, looking down at them with his face softened by a sudden smile. I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and if by life or death I can serve you, I will. Oh, he's so cool. He's so cool. Oh my goodness. Okay, okay. So they're quiet for a while, 
And then um, Frodo hesitantly says that, you know, I believed that you were a friend before the letter came, or at least I wished to. You frightened me several times tonight, but never in the way that servants of the enemy would, or so I imagine. And this is something interesting about fear, that there's, like, bad fear, and then there's, like, awesome fear. And I mean that in the terms of, like, awe, like, yeah, that there's fear that of something that's, like, powerful or magnificent, and then there's fear of something that's damaging or dangerous, and that Aragorn here has this first type of fear, that he's a powerful, dangerous man. Well, not dangerous, he's a powerful, well, he is dangerous in his own way, but everyone's dangerous in their own way. He's a powerful, imposing man. That's what I want to say. Fascinating. So Frodo continues. He says, I think one of his spies would, well, seem fairer and feel fouler, if you understand. I see, laughed Strider. I look foul and feel fair. Is that it? All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. Did the verses apply to you then? Asked Frodo. I could not make out what they were about. But how did you know that they were in Gandalf's letter if you've never seen it? I did not know, he answered. But I am Aragorn, and those verses go with that name. And here he finally claims his identity. He doesn't say he is Strider. Except when he says, I'm the real Strider. Um, but, like, him saying, I am the real Strider, and him saying, I am Aragorn, are basically the first moments that he's claimed his identity, rather than saying, like, this is what people call me. This is the identity people have given me. Um, which is really interesting. He drew out his sword, and they saw that the blade was indeed broken a foot below the hilt. Not much use is it, Sam, said Strider, but the time is near when it shall be forged anew. Sam said nothing. Well, said Strider, with Sam's permission. He's such a tease. <laughs> we will call that settled. Strider shall be your guide. Ah, third person again. And now I think it is time you went to bed and took what rest you can. We shall have a rough road tomorrow. Even if you are allowed to leave Bree unhindered, we can hardly hope now to leave it unnoticed. But I shall try to get lost as soon as possible. I know one or two ways out of Breenland other than the main road. If once we shake off the pursuit, I shall make for Weathertop. Then they talk about their route a little bit. And uh, Aragorn says that basically Gandalf will probably make for that point too if he follows. Uh, da, da, da. And then Frodo asks, when did you last see Gandalf? Do you know where he is or what he's doing? Strider says, I do not know. I came west with him in the spring. I have often kept watch on the borders of the Shire in the last few years, when he was busy elsewhere. He seldom left it unguarded. We met on the 1st of May, at Sarn Ford, down the Brandywine. He told me that his business with you had gone well, and that you would be starting for Rivendell in the last week of September. As I knew he was at your side, I went away on a journey of my own, and that has proved ill, for plainly some news reached him, and I was not at hand to help. I am troubled, for the first time since I have known him. We should have had messages, even if he could not come himself. When I returned many days ago, I heard the ill news. The tidings had gone far and wide that Gandalf was missing and the horsemen had been seen. It was the elven folk of Gildor that told me this, and later they told me that you had left your home, but there was no news of your leaving Buckland. Which is sort of a good thing, that means it hasn't gone out that he had escaped Buckland. I have been watching on the East Road anxiously. Do you think the Black Riders have anything to do with it? With Gandalf's absence, I mean, asked Frodo. I do not know of anything else that could have hindered him except the enemy himself, said Strider. Which also gives us information about how powerful Gandalf really is. But do not give up hope. The core theme of Lord of the Rings, do not give up hope. Gandalf is greater than you Shire folk know. As a rule, you can only see his jokes and toys. But this business of ours will be his greatest task. So, um, 
I talked about Gandalf a little bit earlier in other episodes, and my very dear friend Hibba has been talking with me. We've been talking to each other about writing and our podcasts. And she said some really fun stuff that I want to kind of uh, repeat to you guys and answer her here. So, she says, There's actually something I've been sort of considering, and bear with me because I haven't read the books yet, but could Gandalf represent the guidance that God brings down to us when we need it? Gandalf is seen as this figure that is wise and knows some things, but not everything. Going from the movies here, so maybe I'm wrong when it comes to the books. And so it sort of makes sense to me that he could represent the people that God chose to send guidance through. I've also heard of Gandalf being compared to an angel, though I don't know if I would see him as an angel figure. Anywho, I just thought of that after hearing Ahmed's message and story in episode 3, and figured it was worth asking about since you know a lot more about Lord of the Rings than I do. I should really get copies of the books and read them. Yes, Hibba, my dear, <laughs> you really should get copies of the books and read them. But thank you for asking this question, um, and also for listening and for engaging with me. I'm very grateful. So I responded to her and I said, um, basically that I agree with her, that I do see Gandalf as a guidance figure, um, and that the reason people have kind of compared Gandalf to an angel figure is that that's kind of the race he is. Like, wizards are kind of angels in that they're like in a, in a christian sense that they're they, they have messages and they come down to share them and have tasks that they do on earth um and the reason i say in a christian sense is because in islamic theology angels are very different they can't sin and they can't go against god's command um and they they do what god commands them to do with no like choice in the matter they don't have free will they're basically literally just agents of god um and basically the reason i don't see gandalf as an angel is because of my own belief in angels and that to me he reads as a holy man or spiritual advisor um and i have a personal spirit spiritual advisor and um yeah i just i i just that's how i see gandalf um and so Hibba responded to me after that. And she said, "It hopefully she really doesn't mind me reading her words literally, but um, whoops. So anyways, so she says, uh, let's see. It's especially weird because, again, going off of the movies, Gandalf sort of seems like he's guided by something. He's definitely getting all his information from somewhere, but we as viewers don't know what it is. So he has all this knowledge, some he shares, some he keeps until it's the right time to share it. And in addition to that, he has a lot of wisdom. It's almost like he was given a plan and he's doing his best to put all the pieces in place and make that plan work somehow. But even he doesn't know how things will end. Like in The Hobbit, even he couldn't tell that uh, Bilbo that he'll survive his adventure. Hibba is wonderful and very, very good at like picking up subtext and connotations of things. And she's right on the money. So if you're not familiar with um, the lore in Tolkien, uh, in Tolkien's Middle-earth, um, basically, yeah, she's completely right. Gandalf was given a mission, and his greatest mission was to help destroy the enemy. And that's basically his job on Earth. And that's why, if you're familiar with the movies, and spoiler alert, if you're not, when he dies, he's sent back because his job is not done. He's there to help facilitate the downfall of sauron the enemy the ruler of the ring um and so he has some knowledge but being basically functionally mortal he doesn't have all the knowledge and because advice is such a risky thing and because he you know he can't trust everybody and 
you can't be sure how things are going to turn out or how people will respond to things. He doesn't tell everybody everything all the time um, because it's dangerous, right? It's, It's dangerous. It could lead to the downfall of certain things and some things he's just guessing in a sense, but using his wisdom. And he's right about a lot, but even some things he doesn't know and can't see. So, yes, that's my little digression into Lord of the Rings. Uh, and into Gandalf, I mean. <laughs> so, let's see. Um, Pippin yawns. <laughs> the irreverent hobbit, I love him. I am sorry, he said, but I am dead tired. In spite of all the danger and worry, I must go to bed or sleep where I sit. Where is that silly fellow? Mary. It would be the last straw if we had to go out in the dark to look for him. And in that moment, Mary rushes in, followed by Nob. <clears throat> He was out of breath. They stared at him in alarm for a moment before he gasped. I have seen them, Frodo. I have seen them. Black riders. Black riders, cried Frodo. Where? Here, in the village. I stayed indoors for an hour. Then, as he did not come back, I went out for a stroll. I had come back again and was standing just outside the light of the lamp, looking at the stars. Suddenly I shivered and felt that something horrible was creeping near. There was a sort of deeper shade among the shadows across the road, just beyond the edge of the lamplight. It slid away at once in the dark without a sound. There was no horse. Which way did it go? asked Ryder, suddenly and sharply. Mary started, noticing the stranger for the first time. Go on, said Frodo. This is a friend of Gandalf's. I will explain later. It seemed to make up off the roads eastward continued mary also east um this has been a place of or a direction of bad things <laughs> so far so keep in mind i tried to follow of course it vanished almost at once but i went around the corner and on as far as the last house on the road strider looked at mary with wonder you have a stout heart he said but it was foolish i don't know said mary neither brave nor silly i think i could hardly help myself i seemed to be drawn somehow Anyway, I went, and suddenly I heard voices by the hedge. One was muttering, and the other was whispering, or hissing. I couldn't hear a word that was said. I did not creep any closer, because I began to tremble all over. Then I felt terrified, and I turned back, and was just going to bolt home, when something came behind me, and I... I fell over. I found him, sir, put in Nob. Mr. Butterbur sent me out with a lantern. I went down to Westgate, and then back up towards Southgate. Just nigh Bill Fernie's house, I thought I could see something in the road. I couldn't swear to it, but it looked to me as if two men were stooping over something, lifting it. I gave a shout, but when I got up to the spot, there was no signs of them, and only Mr. Brandybuck lying by the roadside. Yo, if they had taken Mary, so many things would be massively different, and probably disastrous. And it's so crazy that, like, this accident, or coincidence, or just, like, the luck of Nob being there stopped Mary from probably getting kidnapped. Wow. It's just amazing. Um, and this is why there's, you know, fate, destiny, other powers at work, good fortune, whatever you want to call it, is fascinating. So there's, like, this interplay between choice and destiny. And if that isn't, like, real life, I don't know what is. Uh, let's see. Nob continues and says he... Uh, he, as in Mary, seemed to be asleep. I thought I had fallen into a deep water, he says to me when I shook him. Very queer he was, and as soon as I had roused him, he got up and ran back here like a hare. I'm afraid that's true, said Mary, though I don't know what I said. I had an ugly dream, which I can't remember. I went to pieces. I don't know what came over me. I do, said Strider. The black breath. The riders must have left their horses outside and passed back through the south gate in secret. They will know all the news now, for they have visited Bill Fernie, and probably that southerner was a spy as well. Something may happen in the night before we leave Bree. 
all right everybody keep in mind this mention of the black breath and how it kind of overcame mary and made him feel terrified and horrified and um helpless and slightly paralyzed because it's going to come up much much later and kind of towards the end of the book so what will happen said mary will they attack the inn no i think not said strider they are not all here yet in any case that is not their way this is terrifying listen to this in dark and loneliness they are strongest they will not openly attack a house where there are lights and many people not until they are desperate not while all the long leagues of Eriador still lie before us but their power is in terror and already some in Bree are in their clutch they're terrorists they're literally terrorists their power is in terror they 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 overcome by fear-mongering fascinating they will drive these wretches to some evil work Fernie and some of the strangers and maybe the gatekeeper too there's also a fascinating look at how people function that fear can make you do bad things um and this is a different type of fear than the kind of fear that basically strider gave frodo which was kind of like a um awe-inspiring fear this is a this is an evil fear that drives you to do things that you wouldn't do otherwise um yeah it's fascinating they had words with Harriet Westgate on Monday. I was watching them. He was white and shaking when they left him. We seem to have enemies all around, said Frodo. What are we to do? Stay here and do not go to your rooms. They are sure to have found out what, uh, which those are. The Hobbit rooms have windows looking north and close to the ground. We will all remain together and bar this window and the door. So Frodo says we all seem to be, we seem to uh, be surrounded by enemies. And Strider's answer to that is stay close to each other and surround yourselves with your friends. Which, a metaphor for life, I think. <laughs> um, so Strider goes to get uh, basically their luggage with Nob from the other room. And while they're gone, Frodo basically updates Mary on what's happened. And Mary is still reading and pondering Gandalf's letter when Strider and Nob return. Well, masters, said Nob, I ruffled up the clothes and put a bolster down the middle of each bed, and I made her a nice imitation of her head with a brown woolen mat, Mr. Begg. Uh, Underhill, sir, he added with a grin. Pippin laughed. Very lifelike, he said. But what will happen when they have penetrated the disguise? We shall see, said Strider. Let us hope to hold the fort till morning. Good night to you, said Nob, and went off to take his part in the watch on the doors. So, the hops all get into bed and lie together, and Strider builds up the fire and blows out the candles. And everyone except Strider lies down, ready to sleep. And Strider settles himself in the chair against the door. They talked for a little, for Mary still had questions to ask. Jumped over the moon, chuckled Mary, as he rolled himself in his blanket. Very ridiculous of you, Frodo. But I wish I had been there to see. The worthies of Bree will be discussing it a hundred years hence. I hope so, said Strider. Then they all fell silent, and one by one, the hobbits dropped off to sleep. And there we end my favorite chapter so far. <laughs> oh my goodness. A lot happened, but it was really fun. The next chapter is also really great, um, and I look forward to talking about it with you guys. I hope you are doing well. I'm going to end the podcast here because I have nothing more to say. <laughs> all right. This has been Sumeya at Beyond What You See podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Have a good night or day, wherever you are.